This is the Tom Baker Show. Hello and welcome to the Tom Baker Show. I am he and I am happy to be back in the comfy chair. We have got a brand new season of Tom Baker Shows coming at you and I couldn't be more excited. We're going to do some uh, very interesting things with the Tom Baker Show as we uh, get into the fall and winter of 2023 and into 2024 and... um, we're going to have some interesting topical discussions, some very interesting guests, uh, and of course, we'll try to talk uh, current events as well. And so, um, this particular show, I thought I would take a moment or two to talk about a topic that I know is still a very hot topic, especially in the short track environment, the local and regional racetrack environment um, here in the U.S. Anyway, and um, that is. Whether or not live streaming your races is good or bad, does it hurt your track's attendance? Does it help your track's attendance? I still see a lot of discussion, just saw some this week again on the internet relating to a race um, that was taking place, uh, supposed to take place uh, here in the Carolinas, Um, and uh I have a gentleman with me who I've known since he was young racing go-karts, and he is now very instrumental in the live streaming space with a racetrack called Land of Legends, formerly known as the Canandaigua Speedway up in Canandaigua, New York, in the western part of New York State. And um, Stephen Ovens has had a tremendous amount of experience with live streaming and uh, also with uh, podcasting and uh, and, and the like, and, uh, is a very, very well-respected and successful, uh, motorsports media figure up in the Northeast. And so Stephen has joined us today to just kind of talk about the, um, his experience and land of legends experience with live streaming. So first of all, Stephen, welcome back to the show. I say, welcome back. You've never been on the Tom Baker show, but you've certainly done enough, uh, with me with podcasting and radio, it is great to have you um, and be back together again. Um, so I'm going to start with um, talk a little bit about your first memories of live streaming, because, you know, it wasn't all that long ago, honestly, I don't think that we were we were live streaming audio. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's just it. I, I think it did. You know, it started it started with audio. Uh, you know, broadcasting races or or you know doing pre or post race shows and yep. and things like that. So that you know that um, that that is re- where really where things started. And you know, I think you know back to to early. You know, uh, early days uh, going through high school and my 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 days in college and the you know mid to late two thousands. You know, I remember listening to a lot of uh, races. Uh, you know, where I am here in New York, uh, the Super Dirt Car Series, uh, Big Block Modifieds are a big thing. And and yep. before even 
Dirt Vision came out with video, you would be able to listen uh, to the audio uh, in their early days. So, um, you know, a lot of races that that I couldn't get to as a high school or a college student, it, it was such a great platform because you, you could just kind of, you know, it's like listening to a race on the radio today still uh, yeah. on the NASCAR side. You know, you kind of picture what's happening and, and there's so much responsibility on that person on the other end to help you paint that picture. But yeah, no, I that's for me. Those are some early memories I have for sure. Yeah, I and and I mean, um, I had the the privilege of being a part of the first ever radio uh, broadcast of Super Dirt Week live, and it was on Star Wars Five Point Five. Uh, FM out of Oswego, which was the station where I started my first radio show. And then the following year, I think we went and, and we did it. I think it was on, um, what is it? Six W H E N. I think maybe six twenty or six ten, whatever it was up there. And, um, it was, those were, those were some fun days. And I agree with you too. It takes us, I think it takes actually more creativity to, um, to call, a sport, whether it's racing or football or whatever, on audio, via audio, because you have to describe so much more um, of what you're seeing because there's no picture for the, you know, the, the, the folks on the other end to look at. Um, but it seemed like overnight we went to video on the Internet and everything became about live streaming video and so much of what we have today I think kind of came in kicking and screaming in a lot of ways for these these tracks because everybody worried about well it's one thing if I just let them hear the race um it may be something else if I let them see the race live are they still going to have any motivation to show up at the track and pay for a grandstand ticket buy hot dogs and a beer or coke and, um, you know, buy stuff at the novelty stand or whatever. Um, and I think that we're still kind of in the earlier uh, data sampling of that. But I know at least in your particular situation at Land of Legends, you have found this to be a huge asset. You have found live streaming video to be a huge asset and and I understand some of the reasons why, but I really want to um, hear you talk a little bit about, you know, Land of Legends and how they've dealt with it and, you know, what it's done for your track in particular and kind of how all of it works. Is it free? Do you charge people? Talk about all of that. Absolutely. And and I I, I love getting an opportunity to talk about that because, we have found a model that, that has been successful and is growing. Um, but, Tom, I, I want to break this down before I go into those details. I want to break this down because that's one of the first things you hear is if you're, give, you know, if you're doing a pay-per-view, if you're make, giving it away for free, what is the what is people's motivation to want to go to the racetrack? So I know I know you're the interviewer here, Tom, but I want to ask you a question. Okay. Think back to your days going to Oswego. What was what are some of the things that made you fall in love with going to races there? Okay. So for me, 
Uh, boy, I'm glad you asked that question because I love talking about this. Um, so for me, at five years old, and and you know, it never stopped. It still hasn't stopped, and I'm 55 now. And it and it does not just like a swig; it's racing in general. Motorsports to me is a very experiential sport. In other words, um, it is much much more exciting when you are sitting at it than it is when you're watching it. Um, you, you have the smell of the fuel, the smell of the hot dogs or the hamburgers or whatever it is that the track, you know, is, is, is serving in the concession cooking. Um, you, you know, you, you've got the roar of the engines. Um, you have the, the fans around you that are cheering and talking. You have the, you know, you're, you're experiencing this in person as it happens, the visual it's sort of, for me, I've always said, that as much as, and as no matter how far we come with live video and you got 4K now and, you know, pretty soon we'll be in like 15K and you'll be able to count how many nose hairs somebody has. But <laughs> it still does not. It's like hockey. I love watching hockey in person, not so much on TV, because no matter how good the technology gets to broadcast a hockey game, the speed of it, the puck um, the, 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 the sort of crunch of, of players, you know, hitting each other, um, the, the checking each other or whatever. I mean, you, you just drag racing, same thing. You, that you can't get experience that from a live stream. I don't care how good it is. So for me, it's, it's the experiential part of it and being able to engage with the fans and the drivers. Um, you know, so, so, that's that's what I get out of it. It is far more thrilling um, to to be at the track than to watch it. If that's where you're going, I I I am a person who would totally say, um, you know, if I'm able to get to a racetrack and I have a choice, I want to be at the track. Yeah, and and that's that's exactly where I was going with this is. You know, for, for fans that love racing, that love the product you're putting out there, you can't replace that experience with anything. No. You just, you can't, you can't smell the fuel. You can't, you know, you might be able to buy the same brand of hot dog, but you can't make it as good as Joey Bananas makes it behind the grill at Oswego Speed. You know, like, there's just <laughs> things you can't replace, um, you know, watching it on a live stream. Yeah. Now, you know, I would say, too, with that, that if the concern is that fans are not coming to the racetrack, you know, and, and I know it's easy to say for some, you know, for a place that has had success with streaming, but if if the concern is that the fans are not coming to the racetrack, you really, really got to dig deeper into why. Why are they not coming to the track? And I think you will find, because of that that experience that they have and fill, fulfilling all of those senses at the racetrack, there are other reasons, you know, why attendance may be hurting or ways to help improve the show that will, you know, see that attendance not take that downward trend. But, you know, and, and when it comes to live streaming, that's, that's the number one that's the number one thing that someone will say to say I'm not in favor of streaming. So um, I, I think it's important to start the conversation there because, you know, again, we we are an entertainment venue. 
Um, there are things that need to be evaluated when it comes to what kind of entertainment we're putting on. Um, you know, it's not live streaming that are keeping fans from the track when we run eight divisions a night and we run until 1230, one o'clock in the morning and we have a 90 minute intermission to, you know, for dirt tracks to get the track back yes. into shape or, or a 60 minute intermission at a pavement track where we don't have to do track prep. Um, there, there's a, a whole, you know, laundry list of, <clears throat> of things that I think it's important to evaluate other than to just pin it on live streaming as, as affecting our attendance. So, you know, live streaming for us, I mean, right now, and, and I, I guess we can kind of get into the, the history of how we got into yeah. into the, the live streaming game. And, and it started, you know, the very first year uh, that the that Land of Legends Raceway did live streaming. I actually wasn't even working there. Um, I, but what they started with was a pay-per-view model, uh, you know, a set price that was at or a dollar or two above the general admission ticket price. Uh-huh. And and that is how they got into it initially. Okay. Um, and, and I think some of that is, you know, you, you do want the you do want the track to see some kind of financial benefit. And without having established what this is. Is it going to be here forever? You know, like without establishing itself, uh, that wasn't a bad way to start, honestly. Right. But after two years of doing the pay-per-view model, what we found was that on average, we were only averaging uh, between 50 and 100 paid subscriptions a night. And I know a lot of places that do pay-per-view that would love to have those numbers, but what we were finding was that by doing, you know, by only getting 50 to 100 uh, paid subscriptions a night, what we found was that we were not drawing in new fans. We were drawing in the diehard fans. We were drawing in fans that live states and states away who would never come to the race, who would never have the opportunity to come to the races right. unless they were in town. And what we found was we were, you know, essentially we were pricing out new fans. We we weren't giving them an opportunity to to view the product. Um, the only way for us to create new fans was was Tom. We had to convince them to either spend the money on the pay per view and take a night and sit home and watch it and see if it was worth coming and buying a ticket for, or they'd have to take the full plunge and come to the track and buy four or five general admission tickets and buy food from the concession stand. And in this day and age of entertainment, that's a hard sell for, for, to try to create a new fan. Your diehard fans are going to be there every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, Thursday night, whatever night you run your diehard fans are going to be there. They're going to support you. As long as you treat them well and take care of them and give them a good product, your diehard fans are going to be with you through thick and thin. And I think any track promoter that's listening to this could agree with that. Yeah. Is even, even when fans perceive that we don't get a call right, they might talk about it all week long, but then we see them right back in the grandstands next Saturday. 
because they either want to, you know, see their racing buddies or they want to see what happens next. So, you know, this, this really, I think you really have to approach this from a, we need to create fans that will keep this sport going for generations to come. And, and by doing the pay-per-view model and only selling, you know, up to maybe 100, 125 subscriptions a week, we were really limiting, um, you know, our ability to do that and to create new fans. So, okay. um, so yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, so um, you've got the pay-per-view model out there, and I know tracks that are doing this. And they're doing it quite successfully, or at least to their definition of success anyway. Um, And I understand why a track would want to say, well, if I'm going to charge, you know, 12 bucks or whatever it's going to be for adult general admission, if you come in the gate, I should charge, you know, 10 or 12 bucks for the pay for, for you to sit home and watch the video, because otherwise I'm losing 10 or 12 bucks because you're not coming and sit, sitting in, in in the grandstand and you're not buying food and you're not buying, you know, merchandise or whatever. Um, however, I think where you're about to head here is that while from purely an economic standpoint, that thinking may be understandable in reality the way that it applies um, isn't necessarily the way that you would think because sometimes it makes more sense to actually charge less or nothing. And um, I think you're going to head down that road, right? I am. I I do want to make one more point before we move to that, though, and that is this, is – don't 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 be fooled by thinking that if if I pay X track that I'm watching their pay per view tonight, I'm paying them twenty five dollars to watch. Yeah. Don't don't be don't be fooled into thinking that all twenty five of those dollars are going to the racetrack. Right. Because unless exactly. the racetrack has made the investment to have all of the production equipment, all the cameras, camera operators, unless that's all owned in-house, which in most cases it is not, that $25, that pie gets split up however many ways it needs to. It could be the actual streaming company. Uh, The streaming company may have a person somewhere out in the universe, in the world somewhere, who is running that stream for their streaming website. Right. So there's a lot there's a lot of mouths to feed there. So that's another consideration too. And that was a consideration for us when we moved to a different model was even though we're selling subscriptions, we're not feeling the full effect of that. Um, and so that was great point. Yeah, so that's why we moved to the model that we did. So 
Um, I can go into that if if you're ready to dive into that. Oh, part. sure, yeah, I, and I'm glad you made that point first because I was going to I, I had uh, in my notes here to talk about the difference between doing it in house and actually having somebody like, for example, you know, a Flow Racing or someone else who. You know, there is a rev split there. Um, so I'm glad you kind of snuck that in in its proper order, uh, because now I think the audience understands that the, just having, uh, again, the $12, all right, it's what costs you to get in the gate. You charge them 12 to watch the video, but you may not be getting all 12 of those dollars. And even if you are, you're still having to pay your camera people and whatever else. So um, it is definitely less profitable. So now talk about how... Um, Land of Legends has evolved their model and and take us to where we are now. Yeah, well, uh, a track not too far from us that uh, will will probably ring the ears of a lot of a lot of listeners. Um, uh, Glenn Steyer's Ashwikan Speedway um, through video streaming and actually, uh, believe it or not, through iRacing. Um, my, my brother, uh, Brad, who's, who's since passed, um, we made really good friends with the video crew and the, and the guys behind streaming at Ashwikan, uh, Clinton Jeffrey and Adam Ross. And we were super intrigued by the model that they, that they operated under, which was a free streaming model. They okay. stream all of their races for free on their Facebook and YouTube pages, and it was wildly successful. And, you know, at first glance, you know, we, we thought, well, you know, Glenn Styers and, and Clinton, they don't do anything that they're that's not successful. So we, we, we tried to think along with, you know, the, the folks that are a part of our streaming, Art Rorick, our executive producer, and, and Paul Cole, who is the promoter of the racetrack, who is – Right. Super forward thinking. And, and, you know, all of this, uh, I'll say too, before I get into the, the details, all of this was on a five year plan. Um, you know, this was something that, you know, even back to the pay per view days, like there was a five year plan in place to grow and build this thing. Okay. We didn't know that we were going to go to a free model, but, you know, after seeing some of the success that they were having at Ash Weekend, we, we, you know, we realized, hey, this is this is an opportunity to do something different, to do something that not a lot of other people are doing. Right. And this, you know, to give it away for free, you know, the, one of the pitches that they made to us that made a lot of sense was, you know, your your free model, you're you're almost using this as advertising. You're giving brand new fans who have either never been to your track or they've never been in. Yes. 10, 15, 20 years, this is advertising for you. This gives them a chance to try you out for free. They don't have to extend the elbow to, to see what this is all about and see, do I want to now go pay to have the full experience? They can try it out for free. Yes. Um, so, so that's number one. Um, you know, and, and we have seen that in, we've been on the free model now for three years. Uh, we just ended our third season, uh, totally free. And, you know, it was, it was amazing. Um, and, and it's working. We are having fans that have are coming to us each week. Um, 
I've met one race fan this year who is from the state of New Jersey, and it's a six and a half hour drive from where he is. Wow. He passes he passes at least six dirt tracks on his way to Canadagua, and he comes and sees us two or three times a year now. Um, and he hadn't been in years. And, and that's just one that's just one small story. But sure, you know, you're you're using this as an opportunity to to really advertise what you do, to show off your racers, to show off your program, and and get people to want to come see it in person. And although you know, it's it, like I said, it, it it is an investment and is you know a process that takes time to evolve. But if you you commit to that and you make that happen, you know, the results will, will come. So that's number one is a way for fans to see what they're going to see when they, you know, if they make that decision to come out and, and buy that ticket. Okay. Hang on a second. Let me jump in because I want to, I want to ask a follow up here to this. Okay. So now you, you've, you made, uh, Paul made this investment. Now, uh, again, we talk about different ways of going about it and how um, can we make it work. And um, you bring up a great point that it is advertising. And I want to we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later because um, I really hadn't even thought about it like that. But it is absolutely the, 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 the purest form of advertising. Literally, here's what our races look like. But let me ask you this. You have now, Paul, and I don't know how this evolved, but we talked about the fact that the maximum profit can get made if you hire the the team and have the cameras and all of that in-house. Is that the case at Land of Legends, that, that, that Paul invested in the equipment and he's invested, obviously, in, in you and, and, and others to to be a, you know, to, to operate it and all of that. Talk about how that part of it works so that Paul makes sure that he at least maximizes what he gets out of this. No, absolutely. So yeah, every, everything is done in house. Um, the production, um, the post production, I mean, you know, we, we, he's invested in all of this equipment and, and all of this video, um, so everything on race night and then every all video work during the week because now there's there's that trickle down you 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 have live streaming on race night but you know Tom everything's recorded yeah so once the race night is over not only have you generated whatever came through the turnstiles based on you giving that stream, away um or even on the on the pay-per-view model but now you have all that video work in the can as 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 i put it you have all that video in the can that you can now use to advertise do little videos to throw on social media um do highlight recaps um which which again going back to that advertising piece um that's just as good as giving the stream away is throwing a highlight reel up and and letting fans and, and potential new fans see, hey man, look how good this race was. You know that the the winner made a pass on the outside of turn four on the last lap. Like how exciting was that? Um, you know it's so so yeah. So everything is in house. Um, you know there's a there's a you know a certain payroll um, each week that sure. that is paid out, and and a lot of that is. 
you know, is recouped by what's brought in, um, what's brought in uh, in Say advertising. It. There you go. Yeah, what's brought go. in in advertising for to to, you know, to sell for each show. Now, now that's that's the large part of it. Um, I I do add too that um, our on demand video on the website. Um, we do a one time. Uh, you get one year. And right now it's twenty nine ninety five. You can watch any video in our archives um, on the website. That's the only pay feature that we have on our website right now is just the access to uh, to the on demand. But everything that's done live is free. Um, and, and again, yes, you know the the advertising is where we've taken the biggest leap in the last two to three seasons, for sure. And see, that's really where I want to go with this to explain the the pro side of streaming your races live for free is because you open yourself up, first of all, to the largest potential market of viewers because nobody has to pay so even if I'm watching you on, say, a flow racing, you still have the best chance of getting the most viewers because you're not charging people to watch. And therefore, if you can put a good product out there and the video's clean and it's and the announcing is good and you know the product itself is entertaining and you build your audience, then obviously that opens you up to be able to go and sell advertising on the broadcast. And that's a, a great revenue source for tracks. And it's one that honestly, for a lot of racetracks who don't do this, in just in general, they struggle to get sponsorship and advertising at their tracks. And in 2023, I would argue that not having some sort of a live stream is a big reason why, because everybody's so caught up in the, you know, social media uh, and following and, and, you know, how many likes and followers and shares and all the, that's where it is for, for a lot of these companies. It's all about social media. And if you're not out there and you're not doing something like this, you're missing out on a huge revenue source that that is pretty much in demand if you expect to get a lot of sponsorship at your racetrack, I think, now. Um, and so Land of Legends is really because, because, Steve, and correct me if I'm wrong, but because Paul is you know, going out and basically doing this all himself, yes, it's an initial upfront investment, but he's been able to, um, to recoup it and, um, and I'm sure, you know, profit from it, it, it somewhat, um, you know, because again, you can go out and sell advertising both local and actually probably regional in nature because, you know, the, I'm sure that you have the demographics to support the fact that, that, you know, your audience doesn't just stop in the Canandaigua, New York area. Like you said, you've got folks from New Jersey and probably all over the country that are watching watching this on at least a semi-regular basis. Tom, I'll let you, we'll have some fun with this. How many different countries do you think we were broadcast in uh, over the last two seasons? Um, broadcast in or somebody actually watched you? 
Because well, somebody watched yeah, the okay. bra- a viewer, yeah. a viewer, yeah. Because um, I mean, you know, usually it's pretty much any right worldwide uh, for the most part. So I'm going to say ten. Nineteen different countries. There you go. Over the last two seasons, there you so go. it's it's it is it's it is all over the place. Um, the the viewership and and you know again to go to this advertising piece, um, you know it having. You know, the the very first year of live streaming, um, we we weren't as robust with advertisers, but it was because we didn't have we didn't have the data to go on. Yeah. And and who wants to go into an advertiser, and and their first question is, all right, how many viewers are you getting? Well, we average between fifty and a hundred subscribers each week last year. Nobody wants to go to an advertiser with those numbers, but we wouldn't we we feel a lot more confident the next year after doing this for a whole year to go in and say hey in our second season we averaged 6500 viewers a night wow across 19 different countries we feel a lot better about saying that and now after 2023 season is done now we feel even better going back to advertisers saying in 2022, we averaged 6,500 viewers a night. In 2023, we elevated to now we're averaging over 10,000 viewers a week. Are you kidding? 10,000 so, unique viewers a week? So imagine being wow. able to go to advertisers at that point. And, and you know, now we have, we have, uh, we have corporations that want a, a piece of that. I bet you do. Yeah. We have we have uh, local advertisers, which are the the bread and butter of every short track in America, um, and and we have we have advertisers that come out of the woodwork, Tom. That you wouldn't even. It's like wait, when when I get that email to say, hey, we need to announce a new advertiser, I say, where did this advertiser come from? Um, <laughs> this this past season. We added a new advertiser, uh, Stop DWI New York, uh, who actually made quite a presence at, at several uh, New York uh, motorsports facilities. Okay. But they wanted, they specifically wanted video advertising uh, with us in some form. And so, um, you know, we, that was a big gain for us this year. We even have a, a Head Start program. Uh, which, you know, again, a county-run Head Start program, yeah. they found it as a great way to advertise uh, the program that they have and the services that they offer. Uh, now, that advertising is getting played to 19 different countries around the world. They're just focused on the ones that are right in that, of you know, course. general yeah. area of the racetrack. But, but again, that just shows you the scope of, of advertisers. I mean, we have major brands like Pepsi, uh, all the way down to, you know, the county's Head Start program that, that have found value uh, in, in advertising. So it's, it, and on top of that, you'll appreciate this as an announcer, Tom. Everything is sponsored now. Sure. When the yellow flag flies, there's a little logo that comes yeah. up. The, 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 you know, this business yellow flag is out. Um, uh, the, the start finish line, the pit entry, the pit exit, uh, victory lane was a, was a big one for us. A big, uh, 
you know, uh, a big motor company, I can just say, or a Ford motor company uh, in the local area took Victory Lane, and, and they took that on a two-year contract. So, um, so there's there's a lot of uh, there's a there's a ton of opportunity, um, and again, like you said, that's what helps keep the wheels turning, not only from you know your your cost to put that production together every week, but but also to inject into the facility to to help with facility improvements, to help the fan experience, to help purses certainly. Um, you know, all those things, it's, it's what's, you know, it's what's making, you know, the world go round. And, and that's not to say anything about how it's affected the actual in-person attendance too. And, and I want to, I want to hit that too, because in our first year of streaming, everybody, before the season started, everybody said, well, the, the GA numbers are going to go right down to the basement now. They're giving their video away for free. Nobody's going to go. Well, and, and let me just get this in, Steve. I would have been one of those people at that point in time because uh, as, as somebody who deals in marketing every day and the fact that, you know, I'm looking at, okay, well, I can sit home and watch this. Now, I personally wouldn't. Because, I mean, not to say I probably haven't. I mean, you know, have I ever stayed home and watched a race at, at, at say, Hickory Motor Speedway here when I could have gone? Yeah, I guess I have. But um, the reality is that I still talk about it all week long, and I still go back as much as I can. And, um, and so as the years have gone on here over the last three, four years, I've watched the trend with live streaming change to the point where I, I have seen that the tracks that do it well, and I think this is the key point here, the tracks that do it well, that put the effort into it, put the commitment into it, make the presentation the way it needs to be, actually can benefit at the gate with not only additional local fans, but fans who, like you say, the guy from New Jersey who's traveling through the area or whatever, um, he chooses Land of Legends because of the live stream over tracks that he passed on the way to yours. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first year that we gave video away for free, and and <laughs> oddly enough, a, a very uh, a very a good conversation I had with Clinton Jeffrey when we decided to go free. Uh, he told us, he said, your attendance will go up 20% in the first year. And everybody's eyebrows went up and we said, Hey, if that happens, we'll be thrilled. You know, we're, we're just diving into this. We sure. want to see how, yeah. how this is going to work. Even if nothing else, but it's good advertising for our track and our racers and their sponsors, it's a win for us, but they were they were almost spot on to the number. Twenty percent in the first year, general admission attendance went up. The following wow. year, tw- the following year, twenty five percent, and that stayed consistent in two thousand twenty three at twenty five percent. But you're, now you're so, saying, just to be clear, you're saying it went up twenty percent the first year, and then it went up an additional 25% over that the the second year in 22, and then an additional 25% again in 23. Is that right? 
so it stayed consistent 2022 to 2023. Oh, so okay. if we're looking back at pre-live streaming, um, that's that's what we're seeing is is that that still at that 25% okay. number. Okay. Now, now you'll ask, where does that make a difference? And I and I have a few examples. You know, where it makes the difference. Um, and this is talking with also with other promoters that they have have live streaming and, and are doing it, you know, well, is where that makes that impact. You say, well, 20, 25 percent, is, is that really an impactful number? Well, it is on the days when the weather's iffy. And, and you know, when, when you can still say that, hey, uh, our attendance, even though the weather was kind of iffy, our attendance was still palatable on a night two, three, four years ago when we would have gotten killed. We got the show in, but the attendance would have been terrible because of the threat of weather. We're 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 still now we're still making it. We're still doing it. Okay, well, sure. you know because um, what is the average general admission for an adult? Just average at Atlanta Legends. Fifteen dollars. Okay, so um, let's make it twenty percent, just because it's easier math. So, you know, fifteen dollars. Now, you know, twenty percent. Let's say twenty percent is how much would a twenty percent? What is that? About two hundred, three hundred people, maybe, or is it more than that? Twenty oh, for increase. average attendance. Yeah. If it, oh, oh, a twenty percent. Yeah, yeah, that would be a twenty percent increase. Yeah, yeah about two yeah. to three hundred. Okay, so there's another four thousand or five thousand dollars somewhere in there, you know, depending right. on exactly what the number was. Three to five grand that you're taking in. Not to mention they're buying food, merchandise, whatever. Um, so that's a pretty big, you know, 20 to 25% is a pretty big increase in your grandstand on a particular night. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so that's a big deal. Now, the other, the other thing you mentioned this, and again, you got a little bit ahead of me, but you, um, the other big thing to me about live streaming and especially now, I think Glanda legends, I mean, I don't know too many tracks that have, that that have um, 10,000 unique viewers a week. That's incredible to me. But, um, but, but it, the, from the driver's point of view, the team's point of view. Okay. So now if, if I'm racing at land of legends and you're getting, let's say, you know, uh, a couple thousand people in the grandstand tonight, and then you've got 10,000 more that are watching from all over the world, no less. Now, when I'm putting my sponsored proposals together, I can take advantage of those numbers because that's the first thing that, that, you know, the company's going to want to know is how many people are watching your racing. Well, we're, we're averaging about 2000 at the track a week. Uh, and we're averaging another 10,000 across the world via live stream. And that's a pretty significant number. You've just increased the value of the race teams, uh, sponsorships as well. And, and I will admit to you, Tom, I think that that is the one area where, I would say our racers, but I would say us as a racetrack too. I think that's one area where we're still 
we're still trying to kind of lead the the drivers to to the water. You know, yeah. you can lead them to water, you can't make them drink. But yeah. I think it's fine. Like last year, uh, well, let me say this: two years ago, uh, I had five different drivers that asked me to put a video proposal together for them to take to sponsors to say, hey, this is what my track does. This is what you can for the they they said to me for the first time, I feel like I can go to a sponsor and when the sponsor asks me what they get out of it, I can tell them something more than we're gonna make your name look amazing on the side exactly. of my race car. Yep. And and last year that number went from you know five drivers to we had 15 drivers that wanted to do something like that. And and so it's still, we're still trying to get that message through. Um, but p- drivers are starting to see it now. They're, they're starting to, to feel that impact. Uh, we've got drivers that are, that are adding sponsors that they've never had before because they're taking this information. And, and I can tell you, I speak for, for myself. I speak for Paul Tana Robinson, who is our director of marketing, any driver that wants that information, that wants assistance to, hey, what do I need to do? Like, what do I need to do to take my sponsorship to the next level so that when we get to the dog days of July and August, we're not scraping our pennies to to try to finish the season out? Um we're we make ourselves available to anybody that that asks for great. help for information and and that's but but I, I say that but I still think that's a that's a key thing that that we could still do better that we could still improve on because you're you're absolutely right the the value of our driver's sponsorship has gone up because of that exposure that they get now um, I mean we've seen it with. Uh, our drivers in our hobby stock division, our entry level division, all the way up to a great example is is Peter Britton, who you say his name and and people in in dirt racing country they know they know who you're talking about. Sure, you know he he was able to to capitalize on that with Pepsi, and now Peter Britton and Pepsi are synonymous at Canadagua with each other. Oh wow. So, um, so, and those are just, you know, that's just one example, but you know, that's, that's the thing you're, you're absolutely right. The, the, and, and that is part of the vision for why we continue to put all of this effort into live streaming, because we can try to provide the best facility that we can. But at the end of the day, if we don't have racers who have the sponsorship dollars to race a full season, we don't have a product. That's right. So it's it's you know it, it's very much uh, an opportunity where one hand can wash the other, and at the end of the day, you know our racers are happy, our fans are happy, and our advertisers are happy because we're we're being able to provide the numbers that they're looking for. Our market, you love this, Tom. Our marketing video uh, at the very end, you know, our catchphrase at the Land of Legends is where legends are made. And at the end of the marketing video, it says, you know, uh, be a part of Land of Legends Raceway where legends are made and products are sold. That's I mean, great. we are yeah. we are we are drinking the Kool-Aid, Tom. <laughs> well, and, and I understand that now. And, and again, I was one of the early ones because um, 
I, look, I'm 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 old. I'm a bit part com, uh, commercial com, at this point, and technology for me is not intuitive. I grew up in radio, and I miss uh, calling races on the radio. Um, and so for me, the video, I love it. I do it a few times a year at uh, different races, go kart races, and such. And um, you know, and and it's fine, but. Um, I understand now because I've I've looked at many different facilities over the the last two three years and I've started to see that if you do it well and I think uh, Land of Legends does it as well as anyone at the local or regional level and I would say better than most um, you know I think if you do it well you can see the numbers and the benefit that you get. And, um, you know, most importantly, I think it just builds the brand. It just spreads the brand. And, and your, your, your uh, statement at the top of the show about it being great advertising, even if that's all you think of it as, you know, it is the greatest form of advertising because you're not just throwing a radio ad out there. You're not even just throwing a 30-second TV ad out there or putting a print ad in the local newspaper. You are literally showing the entire world this is what you're missing. And, um, again, the naysayers will say, well, I'm not missing it if I'm watching it in front of me on my screen and my response to that is, well, if that's all that racing is to you, well, fine, because actually you're one of 10,000 people a week who are actually generating revenue <laughs> for the racetrack by watching the broadcast. Um, and you're selling you're selling eyeballs. Tom. Yes, that's you're right. selling eyeballs. Yep. I mean, that's so. So you want those, too. But um, the reality is that. Um, racing needs to be experienced. And um, I don't know how uh, we can more clearly cite evidence of what live streaming can do for your track than, you know, 10,000 viewers a week from across the world. What, 19, did you say, different countries? I mean, that's that's incredible, and and um and it and it obviously has done. Now you guys have done some things locally though too, with putting that broadcast into local uh, establishments and things, right? Oh yeah, and that's that's been another thing that you know the the live streaming naysayers are going to cringe when they when I tell the story. But we we have establishments, we have we have bars that are within a. 20 30 minute drive of the racetrack that have viewing parties one of our advertisers is a a local brewery and they advertise with a video commercial they take a couple uh sponsor nights they're even on one of the the 305 sprint cars at the racetrack but they show the stream inside the brewery every saturday night wow. and it's become a saturday night event where previously they might have had live music or they might have had a, a trivia night or a DJ or whatever. They don't do that now because Saturday night is race night at Land of Legends. And and their, their uh, customers now know that 
they can go to the local brewery, have some of their favorites on tap, and and watch the dirt racing and, and a and a good show at that. So um, we have a lot of uh, places, and and in fact, uh, part of you know part of my social media and marketing mind, Tom is is on race night. I I call out on the broadcast. Hey, we want to know where you're watching from. Send us a picture on our Facebook page. Send us a tweet. Uh, let us know where you're watching from, and and we see it every week of our our some of those local establishments. Uh, you know, the brewery was one example. Uh, another uh, good friend of mine, um, their local VFW post does the same exact thing. He said. We go to the VFW every Saturday night just to socialize and see our friends. That's that's what we do. And now it's still what we do, but we watch Land of Legends while we're doing it. So it's uh again, it's just uh it's just how this thing has grown and, and you know, the ability that you have to, to put the product out there. So you're actually capturing people from within an hour of the track who are not coming directly to the track, but because these establishments are broadcasting it live and making it basically their main uh, attraction on a Saturday night, um, these people are showing up and they're watching it there. And again, eyeballs on the product gets advertisers in your door. And, and, and again, in that, in the example with our friends at, at the brewery, we've now turned that into an advertising opportunity for the brewery, uh, for the brewery and yeah. for the racetrack. So now, now not every establishment, you know, it's not always going to be that case, but you know, the, the opportunity is there. And again, you know, when, when when Tana and Paul sit down and have these conversations with our advertisers, you know the we can now say after you know three years of doing this and 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 two you know or three years of doing it for free and five years of streaming period, you know we now can go to them and say hey the, the proof really is in the pudding here, um, and you know again it, but. You know, like you said earlier, and I, and I don't want to gloss over that. It does. It took a, a commitment. It took an upfront cost. It takes weekly commitment to make that happen. But um, you know, it's it's one of those things that I, I really feel like what we've seen and the results that we've seen. We're not the only place, but the results we've seen. You know, this is is not something that that you can just you know, scoff, scoff at anymore and, and, and pretend like it's not a real thing. It's a real thing and and it's beneficial. It is a real thing. And I might add for those listening that, that uh, land of legends, I almost called it Canadagua. That's how old I am. Uh, Land of legends in Canadagua is a, uh, they run a type of racing with the super dirt, big block cars, that, I mean, dirt track racing in New York on a Saturday night is a plenty. There are tons of racetracks in New York State that run those cars on a Saturday night, that run dirt track programs on a Saturday night. Can, uh, <laughs> Land of Legends is not, um, you know, the only track. And yet still, here we are, because of the live stream, 
they're outpacing pretty much probably uh, anyone else that they that that runs on Saturday nights in New York State by I would imagine several thousand eyeballs a week just because of the success they've had with the live stream. So um, certainly it's been a point of differentiation for you up there versus a lot of the other tracks that you're competing against for the same race fans or the same general type of cars. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I I would point out too. You know, there's another great track three hours down the road Fonda's doing very well uh you know with with uh with Brett Dale promoting there and yeah. their races are on flow they're they're seeing they're seeing similar success as we are nice uh in terms of that streaming and and again you know uh flow is a huge deal for them and, and they're seeing a lot of success out of that um you know for for us you know we we've kind of uh, with the free model, we've kind of been on our own island here for a couple of years, but 2023, we added, uh, we got added to the Dirt Vision lineup um, in, in kind of a unique deal, Tom, because again, we're, we still give our, we still, Land of Legends TV on our website is, is still uh, streamed for free, but we're now uh, able to access uh, all of Dirt Vision's viewers as well. Um, as part of their their fast pass subscription so we're we're now not necessarily on that island all by ourselves we've got you know our our uh, avenue of viewers we have dirt visions avenue of viewers this past year and and that was a you know a very successful uh thing for us to do and and as brian carter put it when we announced that deal last winter you know, it's just a massive awareness campaign for big block modified racing. Yep. And you know that I feel like that's what we've been doing all along, but now to align ourselves with, sure. with you know the the streaming partner that carries the the Super Dirt Car Series. That was that was big for us this year too. So. Well, I mean, and I think I think people tend to look at you know live stream video as this sort of this other thing, but here's the way I think about anything when it comes to, okay, you have a broadcast now, you know, back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, whatever, into two thousands. Um, if you had a TV show, uh, you either could be on one network or you could be syndicated, which means that your show gets picked up by stations of every network affiliation. And that's still obviously a big thing in television. Well, digitally, basically what you've created is now you have a syndication partner in Dirt Vision. You, you originate the broadcast uh, on Land of Legends TV, but... You know, Dirt Vision's also carrying it, so you get their audience. It's just all about distributing the product out farther and farther in in as many different um, ways as you can. Again, just to generate eyeballs, that's that's actually pretty uh, pretty cool for you guys because you don't. I don't imagine you really have to do too much extra or different in order to to get the Dirt Vision audience. They're just kind of picking up your broadcast, right? Yeah, yeah, there's there's some, you know, there's some pieces of technology to help make all that happen, but yeah, I mean it's uh it's essentially a video output from yeah. what we're already doing sure. and going right right straight to Concord. So 
That's great. Well, I mean, I just I I'm I'm happy that that uh, we had a chance to talk about this, and I want to give you a minute or two if there's if there are some points or anything that you want to get out there that you haven't yet about this. Um, kind of a I guess we'll call it a closing argument, just because I know that you have other things uh, to do here shortly. So, um, you know, go ahead and and uh, kind of wrap this thing up from your point of view as to. Um, you know, why uh, you believe this is a great idea and what you think tracks need to be thinking about um, in terms of diving into it. I I think, you know, as as far as closing argument goes, you know, Tom, I I think the biggest thing that I could say is, is to just, you know, do, do, do some research, do, you know, have an open mind because, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there, there's a lot that can be learned and there's a lot that can be gained from doing this. Um, but, but you have to be, you have to be open-minded to potentially doing things radically different than what we've been used to doing in racing for, uh, what, 30, 35 years. I mean, yep. things have evolved, things have changed and there there are so many different ways in which we can put our product out to the general public and not just the general public out to race fans who haven't been in a long time or right. or you know for a multitude of different reasons whatever you know w- w- let us be the example we're bringing people back to the races um it, whether it's a pay-per-view model whether it's a free model the, the opportunity is out there for those that are open-minded enough to, to take a look, do some research, and go out and get it. So. Well, and I think you're, you're providing also a um, case study for how to go about doing it and how to build that five-year plan and even how to, you know, now this isn't what you guys have done, but I think you're, you know, you're providing – almost a, a, a data sample for, you know, if there are track promoters out there who say, well, I don't have the pocket change to go get all this equipment and bring in the staff and do all of this. Um, but I think if I wanted to, to do this live stream thing, I would want to do it in house and, and, or, okay, I'm on flow, but you know, I'm realizing I might be able to be better off if I did it on my own in-house and didn't have to split the revenue. Now, um, you know, again, there are different ways of going about this, but I would almost argue at this point that um, with tracks like Land of Legends who are proving this model and who, who have the, have had the success over, you know, two, three, four years, five years in some cases, um, if I'm a track promoter, I might be able to go find an investor to be able to back this project to get this up and running because, again, the potential for future earnings is pretty good. And especially if you're not a track promoter who runs a six-hour show, because if you're running a six-hour show, your live broadcast isn't going to be very watched, um, at least not the whole six hours. <laughs> so um, I, I I think if you if you really put a – put the right plan in place it is very possible right now um to be able to to make this work because the cost of of doing this sort of thing 
is dropping a little bit every year because equipment's getting less expensive and it's just getting easier you know to to be able to transmit and and do all of this stuff that it was even three or four years ago right oh absolutely yeah absolutely yeah and you know it is like i said there there is there is that investment and you know you know if you can't make that investment you know there may be teams out there that you can you know bring in to to still keep it in house yeah. at some level yeah. without making you know that big bite but there's ways to do it um you know we're super thankful for you know even back to our pay-per-view days that you know we had companies that were willing to do this with us and 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 people, you know, like Glenn Styers and his team at Ashwikan that were willing to kind of educate us a little bit on what they were doing and how we could do yeah. it, you know, and, and we're completely open to anybody that's got questions about streaming, you know, how did you do it? How'd you get it started? How do you keep it going? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're all race fans. We love this stuff and, and we want the sport to be as around as as long as us and our kids are so um you know we we want to help make an impact uh, and it doesn't matter you know where you're located if you've got questions we we'd love to to chat about it well uh steve appreciate you taking some time to be on the show and talk about this and i think that uh we'll definitely get back together and have some more conversation because i think this is uh a topic that a lot of track promoters need more education about. I think a lot of them just think, well, there's no way. Um, and, you know, and, and I, I can't, um, I can't take a chance on people not coming to the racetrack. Um, and I, I hope this show has provided them with an example of how that can actually be the opposite to what can be reality. Again, if you're, if you're, willing to to do it thoughtfully and do it correctly so um thanks again Stephen. i know that uh, you've got a busy schedule here but it's been great to um have you back on any program again <laughs> great to be able to talk to you on the air and um look forward to talking to you again soon good luck with everything at land of legends that is Stephen ovens back with more of the tom baker show right after this Hey there, barbecue enthusiasts. Are you tired of boring sauces that leave your taste buds snoozing? Well, I've got something that'll make your mouth water and your ribs shout for joy. Wiggity Wayne Sauces. Wiggity Wayne Sauces brings you a complete line of barbecue sauces, ketchups, and rubs with flavors from mild to wild. They've got everything you need to take your grill game to the next level. Picture this. Juicy, succulent meat slathered in their mouth-watering habanero sauce, giving it just the right amount of kick. Or how about some lip-smacking, kicking hickory sauce that'll transport your taste buds straight to Flavortown? But wait, there's more. They've got apple pie moonshine sauce that'll have you thinking grandma's cooking up dessert on the grill. And for those who like it bold, their Carolina bold sauce will have you shouting yeehaw with every bite. But hold on to your spatulas, folks. They've got an exclusive offer just for you. Visit WiggityWayneSauces.com today and get a mouth-watering 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. So don't sleep on this deal, folks. Head on over to WiggityWayneSauces.com and let your taste buds go wild. 
with their amazing flavors, your grill and your belly will thank you. Welcome back to the show, and we close this episode on a sad but poignant note. We celebrate the life just for a moment or two of Kenley Dean Squire, better known as Ken Squire, who was perhaps the first broadcast legend in motorsports. Ken passed away on the 15th of November due to illness. And I have to say that as someone who has spent so much of his life working in motorsports media, announcing races, whether it's public address announcing or TV or radio, and even doing these podcasts, um, Ken's passing certainly affects me, and I think it takes just a small piece out of all of us um, who are in the broadcast business because Ken really set the bar for the rest of us to follow. His background's really interesting. His father actually owned and operated a radio station in Vermont, and uh, Ken inherited that station. When uh, his father passed away, he started announcing by announcing a stock car race from the back of an old logging truck at a little tiny dirt track in Vermont. He was just 14 years old. He was the announcer at Mallet's Bay, the Northeastern Speedway and the Monadnock Speedway in the 1950s. And in 1960, he opened the legendary Thunder Road International Speed Bowl in Barry, Vermont. It's a quarter-mile oval. Now, he sold that back in 2017, but uh, that continues to be one of the legendary tracks in the Northeast and really around the country as far as short tracks go. And the way that Ken operated that track and his promotional philosophy uh, absolutely set a bar that all promoters should follow. Squire was among a group of six men who founded Catamount Stadium in Milton, Vermont, and it operated from 1965 until 1987. He was a frequent announcer at this track, which was dubbed the Home of the Brave. That's promoting, folks. Squire co-founded the Motor Racing Network. I bet a lot of you didn't realize that. Ken Squire was the co-founder of the Motor Racing Network, known as MRN, with Bill France Sr. in 1970, and he announced races on that network until he started doing television later that decade. Squire served as a pit reporter for the first live flag-to-flag coverage of the Greenville 200 in 1971, down here in uh, South Carolina at Greenville Pickett Speedway, that was actually the first live flag to flag. It was on ABC. And then he went on to join CBS Sports. Now, Squire was also one of the main pushers behind 
the flag-to-flag coverage of the Daytona 500, which happened for the first time, of course, in 1979, on February the 18th, the race that Ken dubbed the Great American Race, yes, that was a squireism. Now, that had a little help being a huge ratings bonanza because a major snowstorm on the East Coast basically meant that about four or five states worth of people were pretty much stuck in their houses. So, of course, Richard Petty won the race, which was his seventh and final Daytona victory. He inherited that win when Bobby Allison and, sorry, Donnie Allison and Kelly Oliver wrecked each other, which created, of course, the legendary Ken Squire line. And there's a fight of which part of the commentary that followed was their tempers are overflowing. They knew they know they have lost. I mean, Ken was Ken had a way of describing what he was seeing that really worked both on TV and on radio. And I've said up to this day, I continue to say that I enjoy much more doing audio than video for the simple reason that you have to be far more descriptive with audio. You've really got to paint the picture because those who are listening don't have that screen to see what you're telling them about. And Ken was a master at both. For the next 20 years after that, a number of different TV networks would get NASCAR coverage. Squire worked for CBS and TBS and then ended his career as a lap-by-lap commentator in 1997 and was replaced in the booth by the legendary Mike Joy. Squire had announced every Daytona 500 from 1979 to 1997, was the studio host for a short time. And then on July 13, 2014, NASCAR and TNT broadcast its final race at the Camping World RV Series 301. And after that pre-race show, Squire said goodbye to NASCAR and TNT in this speech. Hello, everyone. I'm Ken Squire. And as the engines have fired at New Hampshire, I remind you that this is the final NASCAR broadcast for Turner Sports. I was the play-by-play announcer for TBS for 18 years, beginning in the very first year of NASCAR coverage, 1983. It's been a real honor to be a part of today's broadcast, and I wish my colleagues the very best today on TNT. As this amazing 32-year run comes to a close, I hope you enjoy today's race. And just like that, his career, in terms of more or less full-time and consistent broadcast work, was over. In September of 2015, Squire called part of the Bojangle Southern 500 race as part of a special, which is now an annual, thank the good Lord above, throwback weekend for NASCAR to celebrate the years 1970 to 1974. Squire was joined by Ned Jarrett and his son, Dale Jarrett. As part of the deal with Darlington, with its throwback theme for the next several years, that trio called part of the race again in 2016. They returned in 2017, and Squire got some media reaction after naming Eric Jones that Jones boy 
for his top five streak. Squire's unique broadcasting style featured grandiose words and colorful metaphors. He often described NASCAR drivers in his era as common men doing uncommon things. He called the last lap battle at the 1979 Daytona 500 as two of the greatest, fiddling, fidgeting with first place, and summed up Dale Earnhardt's wreck at the 1997 Daytona 500 with the legendary line, a true American hero, stymied another time at Daytona. His many catchphrases included describing wrecks as side-by-side, end-over-end, and calling race cars all torn up. A battle for position involving a large pack of cars drew comparisons to an Oklahoma land rush. Drivers battling side-by-side would be door-handle-to-door-handle or knuckle-to-knuckle. He was also known for the ability to switch between the radio style of broadcasting and TV styles. One of the best-known examples was the 1981 Talladega 500 when... With a handful of laps to go, the video went out and only the audio remained. Squire called the final laps and described Ron Bouchard's upset victory in typical style. Three cars came out of the trioval, lined up like a squadron of P-51s out of World War II, and down they came to the line. Ken Squire was simply a legend. He passed away. November 15th, from complications of an intestinal blockage. I will not only remember Squire for his infamous Squireisms, but I'll remember Ken Squire for his promotional wisdom and his just unbelievably professional mannerisms. Ken was also in a couple of movies, by the way. He was in both The Cannonball Run and Stroker Ace. And his work in Stroker Ace, to me, again, it's just so Ken Squire. I'm going to miss Ken Squire, even though he hasn't been calling races for a while. If you really want to know Ken Squire, I highly recommend going to dirtymomedia.com because Andrew Curland did a whole series of podcasts earlier this year with Ken Squire and it is just amazing stuff. So as we close out this show, we take a moment to pray for the family and friends of Ken Squire. We pray for strength and comfort. And we take a moment just to remember the first legendary motorsports broadcaster who, along with Chris Economaki, set a bar for the rest of us spark plugs to follow. Thank you for listening. So long. You've been listening to The Tom Baker Show. Mm-hmm.